part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Spoiler alert. While specific book plots will be placed in a special spoiler section during this presentation, this presentation will be reviewing and spoiling all of the events seen on the trailer for the Wheel of Time Amazon series. And if you avoid trailers altogether, this presentation might not be for you. You've been warned. Busting Blockbusters! Welcome, welcome back to Bustin' Blockbusters. Today, our discussion is going to be the Wheel of Time trailer, which was released by Amazon Prime on September 2nd of 2021. You can find it on YouTube or at IMDb, and I will put the link in the show notes that accompany this presentation. As we go through several shots of the trailer, I will be discussing uh, this in the context of book locations, identifying characters that I know uh, by their position or location in the story. I'm not going to spoil plot events that this trailer may be depicting or the outcomes of what we see uh, from the books, except in a special spoiler section that will be identified before it starts so that you have plenty of time to get out uh, of that part of the presentation in order to keep from being spoiled. The, the level of which we, to which we spoil you is completely up to you. If you'd like to submit some feedback for things that we should cover or any thoughts that you have about this particular presentation, please feel free to contact me. You can find me on Twitter at bust blockbuster at bust blockbuster on twitter you can leave your comments with me there you can send emails to matt's audio blog at gmail.com that's m-a-t-t-s two t's audio blog at gmail.com and you can also find everything regarding this podcast at matt's again that's m-a-t-t-s audioblog.com and if you're just looking specifically for this podcast feed, because the website has all of the podcasts that I do, but this particular podcast feed can be found at our old, delightfully dreadful City of Angels podcast feed. Uh, so that website is dreadfulpodcast.wordpress.com. Dreadfulpodcast.wordpress.com. Also remember that we are part of the Double P family of podcasts. And actually, the family is going to be really busy this fall and winter doing all kinds of great shows. Right now, Bubba is covering Only Murders in the Building. He's doing that as a YouTube and as a podcast presentation. I think him and Catfish are likely going to be covering Why the Last Man, uh, the FX Hulu production. And, of course, they're signature podcast for these days is the Parsec Passion podcast, which covers all things Star Wars. And uh, they're going to be covering the Book of Boba Fett and uh, future seasons of The Mandalorian as well towards the end of the year. Now, if you want to find out everything that Double P is up to, uh, the best way to do it is to follow them on Twitter. It's at the word double, the letter P for podcast, HQ for headquarters. So at the word double, the letters PHQ. You can also find them at that same handle on Instagram. You can also check out, like, follow their Facebook page, facebook.com slash the word double, the letters PHQ. You can find all of their YouTube presentations by searching for double P media, the word double, the letter P media on YouTube. And you can also find out all of this information at their website, doublepmedia.com. Again, the word double, the letter P, media, all strung together, dot com. Now, I've read most of the Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series over the years, but it has been at least 10 years since I actually read anything. So my recall is going to be a little sketchy. I did spend a week or so reading the first book so that I thought, we could cover the first season. I was kind of using the Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire model. Uh, it's saying, you know, one book per season. But I can tell you, 
that this trailer is basically telling me that I might need to read a, a lot further than just the first book. Either that or the sequence of events have been moved around a little bit, or maybe there's some extra stuff that's not in the book has been added to this first season. And either way this shakes out, I can tell you that as a general impression, this trailer absolutely rocks. I loved it. It's exciting. It's fast-paced. Uh, the CGI and the vistas and the sets are all incredible. Uh, there's some real nice symbolism in it. You can spend a little time uh, with each of our main characters through the course of this trailer. And uh, some of the characters that I'm kind of struggling to remember from the books, but uh, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, do I actually remember reading about that person or are they made up? Do I need to reread all of the books? Maybe I need to do all of that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but the showrunner had actually done a Twitter AMA and one of the things that it revealed about season one is that it is going to cover book one plus some of book two plus a little bit of book three even. But not all of book one is going to be in season one. Instead, it's going to be in season two, which seems weird. Here's the quote. Season one will cover book one plus some of book two and even book three, but not all of book one because some of that is in season two. Cryptic enough? Yes, very cryptic. But anyway, uh, if you want to know everything that's going to happen in season one, then break out those books, uh, books one, two, and three for sure. Heck, read them all again, I guess is the whole thing. I'll have to start doing some serious reading because like I said, I've only reread the first book and it's been a while. So I'm still refamiliarizing myself with the world. Uh, I will put uh, Rafe's tweet in the show notes as well. I will also tell you that there's already a really excellent breakdown of the trailer available at the Nerdist, uh, and I will be using that. Uh, I basically use that to formulate some of my research in order to, uh, I kind of used it as a crutch, but I'll also include uh, that link in the show notes for you all to browse through as well in case uh, my information doesn't seem credible to you, which is quite possible. And one thing I want to do right now, uh, I'm going to give an apology up front. If you think that I'm mispronouncing any of these character names or the location names, uh, many of the spellings are odd, and uh, I'll be saying them as I hear them in my head when I read the books. So that may not necessarily be the correct way to say them. Uh, I have listened to the audiobook of the first book as well. Uh, so I'll be borrowing some of those pronunciations, hopefully, if my memory serves. And, and uh, you know, I know people get very upset about the mispronunciation of things. So I'll, I'll do my best to use the uh, pronunciations once the show starts. I'll use the pronunciations that we get from the show itself. But until then, uh, please bear with me. That's all I ask. After I viewed this trailer, I came up with essentially... 64 big shots that I'm going to talk about, even though some of them seem to be from the same sequences. But before I get into that, I do want to talk about another piece of news, uh, dragonmount.com. Uh, they've done some investigative work into the titles of the episodes and when they will be released. I won't specifically give those titles here in this podcast so that I don't spoil anybody whether you know what those titles of the chapters and where they relate in the story mean or not. But I will say that there is a total of eight episodes for season one. And the first six have already been titled, at least according to IMDb and dragonmount.com. Uh, they're chapter titles from books one and two. And the chapter titles don't necessarily correlate with the same timeline flow as we have in the books themselves. So that kind of points more back to what the showrunner was saying about how there's going to be bits from different volumes of the books and you know, how he's kind of rearranging them. And we might even have part of book one in the second season. What I am going to do is I'm going to give you a listing uh, by dragonmount.com uh, in the show notes. Uh, but according to them, we're going to get the first three episodes on November 19th of 2021. So three episodes in one dump. 
and then one new episode each week afterwards. And we'll get end up getting the eighth and finale episode. I guess that would be December 24th, 2021, Christmas Eve, will be the dropping of the last episode. So look for that link in the show notes if you want to know more about when each episode will be released. Something to note, that kind of release schedule is kind of a hybrid model that a lot of streamers seem to be going through these days. Um, they're beginning to use that more often. Uh, Netflix used to just dump an entire season in your lap in one day. Uh, and it seems like most streamers are starting to move away from that. Uh, this model, uh, Disney Plus model, may only give you one episode per week, making it appointment streaming. Uh, we used to say appointment television. Now it's appointment streaming, I guess. Uh, but they sometimes will also release maybe two episodes in a day uh, right off the top and then go week to week after that. And this release model uh, is something that Amazon started doing, and it fits kind of right in between the Netflix and the Disney model. So you get a whole lot up front uh, to hopefully get you interested, and then you get uh, sucked into coming back each week. Uh, that also makes you stay subscribed to Amazon Prime longer, which is the whole idea of the Disney Plus and Amazon models. Okay, all of that said, let's get into talking about this trailer. And again, I took 64 screenshots from the trailer that we're going to discuss. So the first shot that I have for us is our two main female characters. We have Egwene Alver, who is played by Madeline Madden, and she's standing in front of a woman named Nynaeve, who's played by Zoe Robbins. Both of these women are residents of an area that we call the Two Rivers, which for the most part is kind of a rural and farming kind of area, but it does have a village that most people congregate towards. That village is named Edmunds Field. Nynaeve holds a title called Wisdom, which I guess the best way to explain it is it sort of makes her the female leader of the area and also kind of the chief science person, which includes things like, I don't know, weather forecasting, she's a healer, things like that. Not to say that her scientific method is the same that we think of today, but it's as close of an approximation as we can make to what we might identify with in today's world. Egwene, on the other hand, she's the one standing in front of Nynaeve. Uh, in the books, she's a younger person than Nynaeve, but she wants to become a wisdom, just like Nynaeve is. And she's also the daughter of an owner of an inn in Edmondsfield that's called the Winespring Inn, which we're going to talk about in a second. So in our next shot here, Nynaeve tells Egwene to be strong and then she pushes Egwene off of the, like this about 25 to 30 foot cliff. Uh, and she ends up going into a river. And I was like, well, is this some kind of ritual? I can say there are some traditions about coming of age mentioned in the books. But I honestly don't have any recollection of this particular incident or of mention of this particular thing. I will speculate, however that we're probably seeing what is essentially the beginning of the story for Edmonds Field area or the Two Rivers area. And the end result is that Egwene does seem to land safely in the water. And then there's this really nice vista shot, uh, which I don't have a picture of if you're on the YouTube presentation, that also might be the Two Rivers area. Um, you can see that there's a, a either a confluence or a forking of a river there, which would indicate two rivers, duh. Uh, the Amazon logo appears uh, up on the screen as well to let us be sure to know where to tune in for this. The next shot that I want to examine seems to be of the village of Emmonsfield itself. Um, and this is a place where most of our main characters are from. You hear this female voice telling us the wheel of time turns, and we see this open area with a few buildings and people are kind of milling about. Now, one thing I can say is that there are festivals in every village in this world, basically celebrating different types of holidays. This may be one of those festival times because you see there's quite a few people milling about and the village seems pretty small. 
I can also speculate that the building that is facing us in the shot is likely to be that Winespring Inn that I mentioned earlier that Egwene's father owns. And it's probably the only gathering place in Edmondsfield that might have a room the size that we see in the next shot because we go into an interior and we see three of our main male characters. Uh, in the shot that I selected from left to right, you can see Perrin Ibarra, who is played by Marcus Rutherford. You can see Matt Cawthon, who is played by Barney Harris. And you can see Randall Thor, who is played by Joshua Stradowski. As is obvious by this shot, these three seem to hang out a lot. And I believe, again, that they are sitting in the interior of the Winespring Inn in like a common room. And when you give the number of people that you see about the establishment, I believe, once again, this might be some kind of festival time for Edmonds Field. One of the things that interests me about this particular shot and these characters is the inclusion of the beards. And I'm really having difficulty remembering the specific ages of the boys at the beginning of the story, which is what I suspect that this is from. Perhaps, not unlike Game of Thrones, some of the younger characters have been aged up just ever so slightly, or, or maybe my memory is just failing me, which is quite possible. But uh, let me know what you think in terms of the respective ages of these characters, whether you thought they would look older or younger. Uh, or if you're just a TV person, I guess you may not care, but you can send emails to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S audio blog at gmail.com, or you can tweet to at bust blockbuster on Twitter. I'm going to mess that up. I can tell. Uh, but just let me know if I'm crazy here, other than, you know, my inability to speak sometimes. Our fifth shot seems to be from the same scene. Uh, or maybe just shortly thereafter. And that shot is Egwene walking in. Now we've already met her um, here. She looks pretty proud and accomplished, or at least she's enjoying uh, seemingly getting some attention. You can see Nynaeve uh, there on the right. And it almost, it looks like she's opened the door to bring her in. Like it's some kind of formal announcement or introduction being made. Egwene looks pretty happy. So I'd say she's definitely appreciating something. And the next shot that I selected uh, is Rand, once again, Rand Althor, who seems to be giving her some of this appreciation. So uh, maybe that's what this is focused towards. And all of this happens as a female voice tells us, and ages come and pass. So here's what we've been told so far, essentially, is that the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, i.e. there's no stopping the passage of time. Huh. Uh, deep. Then there's a shot of Naive also, uh, which looks like to be part of the same scene. Uh, she seems to be very pleased by something. I do feel like all of this is happening in that same common room of the Winespring Inn in Edmonds Field. And again, likely during some type of festival. Then after a blackout screen, we get a really epic shot of, I can't tell if that's five or six horses galloping through this big river valley. Um, it's going to be interesting where to see where that shot comes in in the series. I can't really tell who any of the writers are. Uh, forgive me uh, for not breaking out the magnifying glass, but I'm just trying to enjoy this trailer. I don't know when or where any of these people are, but if you do have an idea, be sure to let me know at bust blockbuster on Twitter. Our next shot is a man who appears to be quite upset and it's like he's kissing a ring. I'm not exactly sure who this specifically is in terms of a character name, but I'm going to share with you what the Nerdist website offered as their analysis. They cited him as a warder for Kareen. That would mean the character Kareen Nagashi, I think is how you say that. Um, again, please forgive me for any of these pronunciations. Uh, she is who the book calls an Aes Sedai, and she's credited in one episode in IMDb uh, to be played by Claire Perkins, though I know little else about her. I do know that some of the internet boards were talking about this a little bit if you want to explore that area for yourself. 
But I figure the bigger question the uninitiated might have is what the heck is an Aes Sedai? What, what's this word that you're throwing at us, Matt? That's a good question. Uh, an Aes Sedai, think of them as sort of like a Jedi Knight of this series or basically like a wizard of most fantasy series. They wield what we call the one power in this world. Uh, essentially, again, to use the Star Wars reference, they wield the force. And that allows them to do things that you wouldn't think would be physically possible, i.e. they do magic. And you're going to see several of them in this trailer, but I won't be any more specific other than just identifying them as we go along until we get to our spoiler section. Except to say this, that there are divisions of Aes Sedai. There are different like sects uh, within the whole organization. You know how you have like Gandalf the Grey or Saruman the White in the Lord of the Rings? Um, different Aes Sedai sects have their own kind of identifying colors, uh, maybe a blue or a green or a red. And we'll talk more about that as we go on through this trailer talk. At any rate, if the Nerdist column is correct, then this is a warder of Kareen. You might now be asking, if you're uninitiated, what the heck is a warder? Well, a warder is kind of like a warrior protector who is usually coupled with a specific Aes Sedai practitioner. Um, they do a lot of swashbuckling stuff on behalf of the Aes Sedai. But something to note is that there usually is only one warder paired up with one Aes Sedai. We're going to meet a really significant warder shortly in this trailer. So as that prior shot appears, we hear our female narrator saying, leaving memories that become legend. And as she says that last part, we see Egwene emerge from a pool with all kinds of colors in it. And she rises out of the pool and the colors are also seem to be patterned on her face and on her clothing as well. And I have zero idea when or where or the context of this uh, in the TV story, to be honest, I just don't know. Uh, could it be part of the first sequence that we saw at the beginning of the trailer? Could it be much later? Your guess is as good as mine. It certainly looks interesting. It looks beautiful. The colors really stand out. It's exciting. Uh, but I don't know what it means. If you know what it means, please uh, send your emails to me. Matt's audio blog at gmail.com. M-A-T-T-S audio blog at gmail.com. And then the next two shots that we get are locale shots. The first, it, it looks like they're white buildings, but they're very red lit, like just the beginning of sunrise or just the end of sunset. Uh, and it appears to be a fairly big city. The bu buildings look pretty large. Uh, and I think that this place is called Tarvalon. It's a city on kind of an island that essentially serves as a central hub for the Aes Sedai. There's a title card in it that also tells us that it's based on a best-selling book series, uh, i.e. it's Robert Jordan's book series. And the reason that I think in this shot we're looking at Tarvalin and the next shot as well, if you notice in kind of the middle right of that particular shot that has the title card on it, there's kind of a tower sticking up there. And I believe that that is the same tower that we see in the next shot. Um, it's a quite obvious tower when we see it in the wide shot of this city, and that's that large tower to the right. I believe that that location is called the White Tower, and it would be located in Tarvalin. Um, it's where all of the official Aes Sedai policy, um, maybe some of their politics, some of their education, all of that is carried out at the White Tower. And uh, this is a place where the leader of the Aes Sedai also known as the Amerlin Seat, holds court, basically. And I'll get more on that shortly. But in the meantime, we meet yet another main character in this next shot. This is Moraine. Now, just so you know, IMDB is listing her as Moraine Damodred. Uh, she's played by Rosamond Pike, who I believe is the top billing for this series. And I know I keep teasing things, but we can talk more about her as the trailer goes on. It is quite a dramatic entrance, if you see the trailer, uh, as she removes that kind of blue cloak hood from her head upon entering. 
uh, and and she reveals herself, and we hear more narration or dialogue saying the power inside you, and then we have two shots that seem to be from the same sequence or scenes. One is an overhead shot of a river, and you can see that someone is in it, either floating or swimming downstream. And then you have another shot, uh, and this one is definitely Egwene, and she's seemingly afloat on her back. And the watercolor looks very similar, and it almost seems to have the same kind of current effect on it. And that's why I think that these two shots are part of the same sequence. They might also even be part of that very first sequence where Nynaeve had pushed Egwene in. This could all be just uh, a couple more shots from that particular sequence. The voice is continuing to speak. All over the world, there are different names for it. And that leads us right into a shot that I believe is the interior of the White Tower at Tarvalan. As I mentioned, uh, there appear to be different sects of the Aes Sedai even represented here in this room. You can see people with blue, people with red, people with green. There's even some white and some gold there in the back. Some people dressed very darkly. And I can't make out who exactly is in this room, but I'm sure that it's going to be some characters that we will know by that time, or at least get to know uh, as that time comes around. And I believe that as you look in this shot, uh, you can kind of see that area sticking up in the foreground. And I believe that all of these people are facing where the Amaran seat provides. Remember, the Amaran seat is the leader of the Aes Sedai. And think of this room in the White Tower, kind of like where the throne room is in the Red Keep of Game of Thrones, if you're familiar with that series. It seems like this is the hub of all the Aes Sedai business happens here in this hall uh, that the Amaran seat seems to be holding court in. Speaking of which, we get that person in this next shot that I've picked out. This is the person that the people were standing and facing in the prior shot. She is the Amaralyn Seat herself, and this person goes by the name of Schwan Sanche. Um, she's played by Sophie Okanito. Don't have any more information to give you on that, except just know that she runs the Aes Sedai. The next shot I have is Moraine, uh, seemingly being healed by someone, probably another Aes Sedai. And you can see what we call the One Power. Uh, being used. It's physically represented in this shot. It looks like some kind of like whitish wisps of smoke or light that moves between or maybe to or from Aes Sedai who are wielding it. And then we get a shot of what looks like Emmons Field if you compare the buildings that we saw in the earlier shot. And it looks like someone is using a whole lot of that one power and it, it's being drawn in from all around them at night. The next shot looks like three women of the red sect of the Arsidae. Uh Incidentally, you should know that we call these different sects, the different colored sects, they have a name called Aja. So these are red Aja. You have green Aja, you have blue Aja, and so forth. Uh, these are the red Aja. And red Aja, they kind of have a... a, a kind of a dirty job for the most part. And they're usually not very pleasant. All three of these women here, uh, they look pretty unhappy and they also look pretty threatening. And that that's your typical red Aja. Just remember that when you see a red Aja, you think eh, they're not the kind of person you want to take to a party. And then it looks like we're back in the White Tower because the woman in the next shot, uh, Liana Sharif or Leon Sharif. Uh, I'm not sure if that E last E is pronounced with, uh, the eh sound or not, but I'm going to say it is. Uh, Liana Sharif, she is holding a staff that she picks up and thumps down. Uh, that particular staff is known as the Amaralyn staff. Uh, just like the Amaralyn seat, we have the Amaralyn staff, and she kind of calls the meeting to order or what have you. She's the person who's kind of like the right-hand person of the Amaralyn seat. Something else that you might want to know, and the Nerdist says this, uh, she's also known to have earned the title of Keeper of the Chronicles. I'm not certain if she has that title here at this point, but uh, that character in the books also went by that title. And again, 
the possession of that staff and and seemingly her uh, level of frustration with everybody or her determinedness to call order at whatever meeting they're having uh, tends to make me think that she's got quite a bit of power. Then the screen goes black again, and there's a lot of things that have been talked about and that I kind of want to rehash uh, of the voiceovers, the narration or the dialogue that we've been hearing in the last few shots. Essentially, it's all explaining what I've already said about the Aes Sedai. The full lines are, the power inside you all over the world, there are different names for it, but it's one thing, one power, and women who can touch it. We protect the world. And that's a pretty good explanation of what the Aes Sedai are. And uh, again, a kind of an explanation of what this force is uh, that the Aes Sedai are using. They call it the one power. Just again, think of it like uh, the Jedi wielding the force. The interesting thing that I find here is who is speaking this and who are they speaking it to? And I do have some thoughts about that, but I feel like that that's something that needs to be reserved for the spoiler conversation, if you dare to stick around to listen to that, which will be at the end of this podcast. Now, we're going to get into some more kind of action shots. The tempo kind of picks up of everything. And there's a sequence of some people that look like Green and Red Aja, Aes Sedai, and their warders are being rained down on by arrows. And one particular Aes Sedai, a, a green Aja Aes Sedai, is summoning the one power to stop the arrows mid-flight. Nerdis says that this is Alana Mosvani. That's a character identified, and uh, this character is played by uh, Priyanka Bose. And in this next shot here, you can see that she seemingly successfully stops the arrows, at least as far as we can see in this trailer. Um, it's actually pretty hard for me to make out any of the other people in the group. If you spot anyone that we've already seen from the trailer that you recognize a character that's a main character, whatever, uh, feel free to tweet me and let me know that uh, my eyesight's bad. Uh, that's very easy for me to have bad eyesight. I have a bad eyesight all the time when it comes to watching trailers. Uh, you can tweet to at bust blockbuster on Twitter. Then we get another title card saying this November uh, and it's showing off Tarvalin once again. Uh, this one, as I spoke of earlier, says that Tarvalin is kind of a city on an island. It's almost like an island city. And here you get a kind of a wider shot. You can see that there are multiple bridges coming to and from the mainland uh, to Tarvalin. So, uh, man, that's really, really fun looking CGI, too. I, I, I think that uh, the realism... Uh, has really gotten into uh, television now. I remember when, you know, there was a huge difference between movies and television, but now everybody's spending so much money. You can really make something look fantastic. Um, looks better than Lord of the Rings. Of course, Lord of the Rings was nearly 20 years ago. So, you know, there's been a chance for the technology to get cheaper, right? Then we get a panning shot of two people walking through some jagged looking areas on a mountainside. And I don't know who these people are. They may look somewhat familiar. Uh, but again, if you can identify them, please let me know. You know how. Then we see Rand and it looks like he's pulling back on a bow and he's aiming an arrow somewhere in the sky. I have some thoughts about what this is about, but I don't feel like it's something that I really want to discuss because it might spoil a plot point. And I don't want to do that for you guys. I want you to have fun with this. Uh, but we will discuss it in the spoiler section if you know what it is, too. Next, we have a shot of Matt. This is Matt Cawthon. And he's quite interested as he's examining some kind of really ornate and beautiful looking dagger. Um, it's difficult to say whether this locale is a place called Shadar Logoth or not. I'll explain more about this particular event in the spoiler section. But if it is Shadar Logoth, then uh, it's likely where he will find the dagger. And uh, it's also a place that's not very nice. And I actually believe that there's a whole sequence of shots here from Shadar Logoth uh, because the shot where you see Egwene, Perrin, and Ran standing on those stairs would be probably from that same Shadar Logoth location as well. I just mentioned that this is not a very nice place. And I think if you watch the trailer and you can see from this shot 
there's like this shadow that's going up the statue um, that seems to indicate there's some kind of menace here as well. And we'll have more discussion on, on what I believe that that is in the spoiler section. Um, I will give it a name for you. Mashadar. We'll just say that. I believe that that is the representation of Mashadar. Uh, but if you don't know what that is in the books, then I won't say anything further here. And I believe this is also from Shadar Logoth. Uh, we have Egwene and Perrin. Uh, it seems like they've been running up some stairs and they finally emerged uh, to what appears to be the outer wall of this not very nice place of Shadar Logoth. Um, notice how dark everything is and how ruinous everything looks. Um, these, to me, are the keys that we're experiencing something at Shadar Logoth. Um, more on that in the spoiler section. But also note, that as all of this is happening, uh, Roos Bolton, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Michael McElhatton is, is speaking through all of this. And I'm going to do a summation of everything that he says uh, in a second when we get to the shot of him. But yeah, that's Roos Bolton's voice speaking. I'm sure that he takes offense to me not calling him by his regular character name. I'll introduce him when we see a shot of him. We then again see Matt Cawthon, and this time he's standing in front of I, is that a body? Is it a captive? I'm not really sure. And the next shots, uh, we see a wolf. And then this particular shot that I picked seems to be Perrin, who seems to be in the presence of it. And maybe he's disturbed by it. Maybe he's not. Uh, more on that in the spoiler section. Then we have Rand and Egwene uh, in some kind of bathhouse. And at first they seem like they're pretty flirty. And then in the second shot that I picked out, maybe Rand's opened his mouth, which he tends to do. And he's hurt her feelings or he's set her off to thinking, or maybe they're just disagreeing about something, but they seem to be pretty close. These two, when you put all the shots together of the trailer, we'll see how much romance we get in this series uh, between any characters or between uh, these two characters specifically. Then we move on to a shot of Perrin and Matt here. And this actually looks to be a very similar place to where we saw Matt uh, looking at the dagger earlier. So it could still be Shadar Logoth here, um, just, you know, in the daytime, as that first shot with Matt and the dagger would have been also. Whereas the shots with Egwene and Perrin or Egwene and Perrin and Ran seem to be happening more at night. And then finally, we get that shot of Michael McElhatton uh, as Tam Al Thor, who, you guessed it, uh, is Rand's father. Um, yeah, father. Uh, I'm going to have more to say about that in the spoiler section, but I want to go into everything that we hear Tam say up to this point. He says, no matter what happens, the pain we face, the heartbreak, the wheel keeps turning. In other words, all wounds heal with time. This is a, a typical dad thing to say, right? Dad? Yeah. And we're over halfway through the shots that I have now. Well, way over the halfway through the shots now. And I'm wondering to know how you're feeling about this tra trailer overall. Uh, what are your thoughts of my analysis? Once again, let me know by tweeting at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter or you can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S, audioblog at gmail.com. Next, we have an overhead shot of people dancing. And those benches and tables, they look a lot like the ones that we saw in Emmons Field before. And again, maybe a festival of some kind is happening now. That's why they're doing all of that dancing. Um, so my festival seeking is maybe getting some fruit here. And there are lots of overhead shots in this trailer. Big, lovely overhead shots. We get three right in a row here. This next one seems to be Aes Sedai. Uh, a couple of them read Aja. And they appear to be the center of an arrangement of bodies. It's like a bunch of corpses all in shrouds. Um, and then there's an overhead view of the White Tower itself, where we can see the Amaralyn seat moving into her place. It's funny how these three locations, Emmons Field, wherever this, uh, all of these bodies are, and then the interior of the White Tower, they all kind of have that same circular feel to them. 
uh, from the dancers at Edmonds Field all the way up to the overhead uh, and how the tower looks. So I love that they're kind of symbolizing the linkage between the people that we know are from Emmons Field, which is some of our main characters, and this great Amarillo Seat Hall in the White Tower. So we've seen a lot of stuff of our main characters who we assume are good guys. Maybe not all of them, uh, but we assume most of them are kind of like good guys. Next, we have this hooded figure on a horse. Well, hooded figures on a horse, that doesn't ever feel very good, does it? Um, this is likely a bad guy. And he, I kind of associate these guys that we see with maybe like Lord of the Rings kind of characters. Uh, I kind of think of them like Ringwraiths or Nazgul. Or if you don't want to give them that much credit for being that big of a leader, uh, maybe more like the Urukai. All of this from Lord of the Rings. They're pretty darn nasty, and we're going to see one up close here shortly. The common names that the people in this story have for these creatures are Fades or Mydral. So just keep those two names in mind. When you hear a Fade being spoken about, that's the dude. And you're going to get a better look at uh, Fades, uh, like I said, in a couple of shots here in the future. And the voice that we hear at the beginning of that shot is finished on screen uh, with this next shot. And we're introduced to Lan. Lan Mandragoran is his full name. And he is a warder, just like that first guy that we saw kissing the ring. In fact, he's probably the warder that we're going to spend the most time with in this series. I'll just say that. Lan is played by Daniel Hennessy. He tells someone who is holding a short sword or a long dagger, or, or maybe even a longer sword. I can't tell the depth. My depth perception is too tough in this uh, particular shot. But uh, Land says, the Dark One is coming for your friends. So now, wait a minute. Who is the Dark One? That's a good question, too. Let's put it in a couple of different contexts. Like Harry Potter, you don't want to say who the Dark One actually is. You never want to mention their real name. Just like you never want to mention Volda, um, sorry, he who shall not be named. The guy whose name starts with a V. You don't want to ever say his name, right? And in terms of this situation in power, you don't want to say this guy's, the dark one's name either. So they often refer to him as the dark one. The way you think of him in terms of relation to power, uh, I switch back to Lord of the Rings. This dark one that Lan is talking about is really evil really bad, really powerful. Uh, so I think of him like Sauron from the Lord of the Rings. Um, and just the fact that Lan mentions that he's coming for anybody, no matter who that other person is, it doesn't sound good at all. And naturally, a Dark One has to have some minions to do the Dark One's dirty work. And I think we're getting a real quick shot Looking at some of them right here, you got things with horns. One seems to be wearing some kind of skull mask. It's a very quick shot, but it does stay with you. I think the horned ones are likely what the books call Trollocs. Um, I think of their Lord of the Rings counterpart as being orcs. They're kind of low man on the totem pole, but they do a lot of really dirty work. Um, some of them are pretty darn mean in their own right. Um, because that's what people who work for the Dark One are. They're just mean. Next, we have a shot of Rand and Matt running down a street. And this kind of looks like Edmonds Field to me as well. Um, do we want to pair what Lance said about the Dark One is coming for your friends with our main characters? Might not be a bad stretch to do. Well, if you think about that, if the Dark One is looking for them, um, they could be running through streets anywhere because the Dark One's not going to give up till he finds them if he's looking for them. So it doesn't really matter where this is. The problem is, is that they are in peril. Now, I love how this trailer starts to pick up again. It gets more intense with the music. The shots start hitting faster. And we start off this section with some kind of battle happening. And I'm not sure who the main characters are in this. I'll talk about Nynaeve here in a second as well regarding this. But the next shot that I have singled out is this really creepy dude 
who's in this cage. And he seems to be using the one power himself. And he ends up blowing away a couple of Aes Sedai that are, I don't know, guarding him, observing him. Any way you look at it, he seems to be pretty powerful with the Force, or, I mean, the one power. And this character, I believe, is a character named Loghain, who is played by Alvaro Morte. Uh, more on Loghain in the spoiler section, uh, but I don't want to say too much here. Then here's that naive shot that she seems to be in the middle of a battle or in the middle of some kind of action, and she's up against a tree. She's looking pretty stressed, so something terrible is going on around here. Then we have another shot, and wait a minute, is that Moraine walking into the White Tower? Because it certainly looks like the White Tower. There are lots of other Aes Sedai around. Hmm, what do you think that means? She's dressed all in blue. I think we might be able to piece all together for ourselves just what Moraine's role in this whole story is, or at least her position within this story. Then we have someone in the White Tower saying, the last battle is coming, the only thing that matters is what you do, and during that time there's a flurry of shots. First there's this kind of blurry shot of what looks like a bunch of Trollocs. There's kind of a battle forming up, or at least an army forming up there. And then you have Moraine riding a horse, uh, which definitely gives you the Arwen vibes from Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's a pretty cool shot, uh, and I'm glad that Rosamond Pike seems to be able to ride a horse pretty fast, so that's cool. Uh, then you have a shot of land turning around, a shot of men running into battle, perhaps, maybe running from battle, not exactly sure. And then a shot of Nynaeve and Egwene defending themselves from something. And this kind of looks like Shadar Logoth again. Shadar Logoth that nobody seems to like very much. Uh, I think this is might be happening here as well. Then there's a shot of a man taking a running leap at someone who looks like they're using the one power either as a shield or they're trying to formulate some kind of spell. And this guy that runs and leaps, he's got some weapons in his hand, so I'm pretty sure he's trying to take whoever this is out. And finally, there's a shot of Lan just basically being a badass. He's taking some Trollocs down, and it looks like there's lots of one power floating around in that area as well. And then there's this second to breathe as the music stops and everything fades back up to this fairly long shot of what appears to be people on horseback. I think it might be Ran and some of that crew riding up a hill towards two people. And there's this like stone gateway or monument at the top of this hill. And during that, we hear whatever happens now, there's no turning back. Yeah, uh, if I guess if you're stuck in it with the dark one, possibly, then yeah, you're in trouble and there's no turning back. Uh, we then cut to a shot of Edmund's field again and this time it's in the rain and there's this hooded figure walking their horse uh, towards some of the buildings there it looks like Edmund's field once again and then there's a direct shot of one of those uh, what we called fades or mydral and whoa this dude is super creepy. He seems to not have any eyes, but what he lacks in eyes, he makes up for with extra teeth. Uh, very creepy. Very, very creepy. Then there's a quick shot of what I believe are Trolloc legs. And Trollocs, they actually vary in appearance quite a bit uh, in the book. So don't you all be judging one Trolloc based on all of the other ones. It's not a case of if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Uh, please don't do that stereotyping of poor Trollocs. Then there's a shot of Lan, and he's doing more epic things. And this final last sequence of shots is all about Moraine. And she seems to be wielding the one power. And during the course of this, she's using it pretty strongly, we can tell. And I guess there's really no need to put off any more conversation about Moraine. In the books... They had kind of made it a slight reveal that Moraine was actually Aes Sedai. And it was pretty early on in the story, but it was still kind of a reveal that she was Aes Sedai. And I guess they're not going to bother with that since this trailer seems to spell it all out for you. Um, if the showrunner wanted there to be some kind of reveal regarding who Moraine actually is, 
Um, he must not think it's very big or he wouldn't have allowed all of these shots of her using the one power in the way that she's using it. So, uh, you know, I guess I won't have to put that in the spoiler section. Uh, also, if you notice these shots, again, some of the buildings, the locale, it all kind of looks like Edmund's field uh, once again. So it looks like Moraine's going to reveal herself and her power uh, pretty early here in the story because I believe the Emmons Field stuff is happening near the beginning of this story. So it's very much two minutes of lots of fun, right? I really enjoyed this trailer. I want to hear your thoughts about it. So be sure to write in with your comments on the YouTube page or you can send tweets to at bust blockbuster on Twitter, or you can send emails to Matt's audio blog. That's M A T T S audio blog at gmail.com. Also, don't forget that double P is going to be doing lots of cool stuff this fall and this winter. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're just getting this via audio form, then you can find the double P media channel by searching for double P media. That's the word double the letter P media on YouTube and you'll get their page. Also follow the Double P family of podcasts on Twitter and Instagram by looking up the handle at the word double, the letters PHQ. That's P for podcast, HQ for headquarters. The word double, the letters PHQ on Twitter and Insta. And also remember that there's a Facebook page. You should like that Facebook page. You should follow along, get involved in the conversations there. Facebook.com slash the word double, the letters PHQ. You can find all of the stuff that I do at mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. And the specific episodes for this podcast, if you just want that singular feed, you can find them at the URL of dreadfulpodcast.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to the feed there or wherever you get your podcasts. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can build a bigger community and so that I can get more great Wheel of Time feedback and other big blockbuster franchises feedback from you guys in the future. I'm going to be getting into a spoiler section next. So, I'm going to put a brief musical interlude here to give people who don't want any spoiler information or additional spoiler information regarding the books or what have you. I want you to be able to get out without hearing anything. So, if you're leaving us now, thank you so much for spending time with us, and we'll see you later. And if you're sticking around for the spoilers, please do so. I'll be right back. Okay, if you're still here, then I suppose you want to know all of the book stuff that I can throw at you in regards to this trailer that I wasn't able to tell people who didn't want to be spoiled before. And I'm happy for you if that's what you really want to do. However, if you're here by accident for some reason and you're saying, wait a minute, I don't want spoilers, get out now! Leave now so that I don't have to hurt you with spoilers. I don't want to spoil you, but now it's on you. You've been warned. So I'm going to try and go through these additional spoiler points pretty much in the same order as in the trailer. I won't make any promises about that. I'm kind of bad about organizing my information sometimes. But I kept mentioning throughout that the Edmonds Field shots... Uh, seem to have a lot of festival stuff going on in it. And that's because we know as book readers that the start of the story for basically Rand, Perrin, Matt, Egwene, uh, Moraine, and Lan, and later Nynaeve begins basically at the Beltine Festival and winter night stuff going on in Emmons Field. And so that's why I kept mentioning festivals a lot. Uh, in regards to the Aes Sedai, it's also important to note that the Aes Sedai believe that only women can wield the one power from the true source successfully and that there are two parts of the one power that comes from this true source they're called the sidar and the sidine the sidar side is accessed by the women 
And that works against the Sidene side, which can be accessed by men, uh, but it is tainted in the eyes of the Aes Sedai. Uh, say that three times real fast. Men who try to use the Sidene side of the One Power usually tend to end up going crazy, and they usually end up doing great damage to the world during the course of their wielding of that power, according to historical evidence and legend from this world. Also, we know that the Red Aja, that one sect of the Aes Sedai, they're a group that typically hunt down those who misuse the One Power. And that tends to mostly be male types who are trying to access the Sidene. And they tend to call those men who are doing that false dragons. There's a great prophecy in the stories that says that the Dark One is going to rise once again from the binds that they've put him in in long past, and that he's going to rise and try to end the world. And there is going to be a dragon reborn who is someone who can wield the One Power, a male who will fight him, or he may join him. That's what the Dark One is trying to do throughout the whole course of this story with Rand is trying to get him to join so that they can just go ahead and end everything uh, together. So it's kind of like that whole Anakin prophecy from Star Wars. It's like, well, you know, it could be that he's going to be really good or it could be that he's going to be really bad. And so that's the thing that's kind of centering around Rand as we go along. Now, I did speak more about the One Power dialogue when I was uh, asking the question, you know, who is doing the explaining of the One Power in that one section of the trailer, and who are they explaining it to? And I do believe that this is dialogue taken directly from the show. I believe it is Moraine who is explaining the One Power and its potential and what it's about to Egwene or Nynaeve, or both, uh, and I say this because in the first book we learned that Nynaeve has used the One Power before while doing wisdom kind of things, and that she may have inadvertently passed that power on to Egwene as well. And Moraine senses their ability to use that power. Aes Sedai can sense women's potential of using the power, I guess the same way that a Jedi can sense the Force and people who use the Force force adepts. So it could be something like that. Moving on to Rand, uh, who could be aiming an arrow in the sky at possibly a raven, I suspect. Although I'm really taking kind of a stab in the dark. But if there's any reason for Rand to shoot an arrow at uh, something in the sky, I would believe it might be a raven simply because we know that the Dark One has many spies. And usually those spies are carry-on which means, you know, they they like to eat dead flesh and, you know, they're just kind of creepy animals. So that includes ravens and rats. And I don't suspect you're going to be shooting at a rat in the sky. So I'm suspecting that he's taking a shot at a raven. But that could just be a guess once again. Let me know if you think anything differently there. Please tweet to at BustBlockbuster on Twitter or send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com. One thing I'm really glad that they did in regards to what I think was all the Shadar Logoth stuff, especially was the dagger in, in Matt's story, because that dagger has such a drastic change on Matt, who is really nothing more than a person who asks questions that we can get information from. Then he gets this dagger and he turns into a really, really crappy person and he's paranoid and everything. And what it is, is that dagger has a power that taints Matt's mind in a way. One of the things that Moraine does is she warns everybody not to take anything from Shagar Logoth. This dagger comes from Shadar Logoth, and that's where Matt got it, picked it up out of a treasure room, basically, and he kept it with him. And he develops a dependence with this dagger that damn near kills him. Uh, and what happens is Moraine is able to eventually kind of reduce the effect of the dagger on Matt's mind, but she can't ever really separate his dependence on it. She's going to need extra help for that. Also, as far as Shadar Logoth goes, I recall the Mashadar being 
more like a white fog. But I do think that they were trying to depict it as that kind of black shadow in that shot with Perrin and Egwene and Rand. And I guess, you know, if you want to make something seem more menacing, uh, black tends to work better than white. Uh, But I was just kind of surprised that they would go with that route. I'm not against it. I don't want to sound like that I'm poo-pooing on it. Uh, I just didn't expect that. And I, I do think that this is probably the Mashadar that has the potential to kill any one of them. Something I don't know if I alluded to too much or not with Perrin and the wolf. Of course, we know in the first book that Perrin develops an ability to communicate with wolves. I don't want to say it's like directly talking to them or anything. It's not like they have conversations, but they do kind of understand each other, wolves and Perrin. And he learns this from someone else who also has that ability that he happens across when him and Egwene get separated from the rest of the group. I kind of liken it to a warg in the world of Game of Thrones where Perrin kind of experiences what the animal is experiencing and can kind of interpret its thoughts or its feelings, more or less. And the interesting thing is, is that the wolf seems to be able to do the same. And if you read uh, the Dance with Dragons prologue, you kind of get a sense of that same kind of dual nature about warging uh, from that first prologue chapter. But I, that's the closest thing I can liken it to. Otherwise, Perrin is just, uh, you know, he, he's an animal guy, right? Uh, moving on to Tam, who is not Rand's biological father, of course. I probably hinted at, hinted at that a little bit too strong uh, during the spoiler-free section. I hope I didn't ruin that for anybody. But Tam is not Rand's biological father, but he did find him basically as an infant, and he raised him as his own. He, he adopted him, and he loves him also. Uh, in the books, Rand discovers that the Dark One is looking for people from outside of Emmons Field, actually. And it's really spawned by the fact that the Trollocs attack Rand and Tam at their home in the books. And what happens is, is that Tam gets hurt and Rand uh, is taking him into town to try and get help. And Tam starts to have basically these fever dreams. And it appears to Rand that Tam is talking about finding Rand, about Rand not really being his kid. But he goes through the whole first book kind of in denial of that, that he's heard, just thinking, well, maybe Tam was just having a fever dream. I believe that Tam is my father. He keeps re- trying to reinforce himself. So it'll be interesting to see to what level they play all of that out in this series. Uh, I hope that they do take some time to address it because I feel like it's important to understand that if Rand were simply Tam's son, he might not be so sought after by the Dark One. And again, he might. You never know. If you can wield the one power, you can wield the one power, right? And then I'm going to get to this last topic here, uh, Loghain, uh, who I teased in the spoiler-free section. Now, Loghain is what we call a false dragon, meaning that he can wield the one power, but he's not believed to be the dragon of the prophecy who is going to wield the one power to either be able to free the Dark One from his bindings or to be able to end the Dark One or end the war in the last battle uh, to save the world. And an essential role of the Red Aja is to find these false dragons if they start showing up and to basically contain them, perhaps even execute them if necessary at some point. And the Aes Sedai truly believe that there is only one male who will be able to successfully wield the one power without doing more damage than good. And the whole question becomes, is Rand this person? Who is this person? Um, One thing that we know is that Loghain is very strong with the one power, but he doesn't seem to be the forecasted last dragon, is one thing that we find out throughout the course of this series. So those are the points from the trailer that I wanted to bring up. I do have a couple of quick questions 
that I want to bring to you book readers that hopefully you will answer once again by tweeting to me or by sending emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. One thing that we know is that in the first book, we never, ever see Tarvalin. And the showrunner has stated that he's going to be taking stuff from books two and three and put it into the first season. And then he's going to take part of book one and put it into the second season. And it just makes me wonder to what extent will we see of what books. And if you guys have any crackpot theories or any ideas or have read anything regarding this, please, again, let me know. Contact me. I want to build this community based on your excellence just as well as my lack of excellence, so to speak. Uh, I want to be able to ask the questions and you guys answer them for me and then me be able to pass those great answers along to the rest of our listeners. So when we look at Tarvalin as a whole in this season one, will we see stuff that happens actually before the Edmondsfield stuff? Or will we just see the general progression of the books uh, where our clan does eventually get to Tarvalin, even though it's not in the first book? Or will it be a combination of both? Uh, what do you guys think? Let me know. Uh, tweet once again at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter. Also, I brought up the fact that Perrin learns about his ability with wolves when him and Egwene are separated from the rest of the group and they meet another group of people, actually first just a lone traveler and then they kind of hang out with some other traveling people for a little while. But if they're jostling all of these things around, I'm wondering how they're going to fit in the big separations. Remember Rand and Matt, they end up in Camelin before everybody else. And there's a big reunion in Camelin. Will they do that? How much of the Perrin and Egwene story are we going to see throughout the course of this season in terms of a, a separation? They certainly set it up well, especially in that shot in the trailer where they're climbing to the top of the wall of what appears to be Shadar Logoth as to, you know, how they might get separated from the rest of the group. But you know, these stories follow a lot of the Lord of the Rings model. They're kind of almost like 90s version updates of the Lord of the Rings. You have the separation of the group. You have the fellowship, and then you have the separation of the group, which gives you the two towers. And basically, the rest of that story, until they're reunited after winning everything, is the way that the Lord of the Rings story go. Here we get the group reuniting in Camelin and then moving on. I don't know if we're going to see uh, anything regarding uh, the Green Man or anything like that. Uh, maybe we won't get that far in terms of the book one stuff. Um, at the same time, why are we going to Tarvalin if we don't get to the Green Man first? Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play all of this out. And I'm really looking forward to it. We'll be covering all of the episodes as they drop. Uh, although I may combine the first three episodes into a single podcast, or I may do three separate podcasts. I'll be doing music analysis as well for those who like that kind of stuff. I think that's all I have to say. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you have any further thoughts or questions, once again, at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter, or send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S, audioblog at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow the double P everywhere. Just think of the word double, the letter P, and then put in HQ or media or whatever, and you'll find all of them. This has been Matt. Thank you so much for joining me. Take care.